This podcast is sponsored by Oasis, a Paychex company. Oasis provides small and medium-sized businesses with an all-in-one solution to simplify back-office complexities like payroll, benefits, HR, and compliance. Let Oasis take care of the HR administration so you can focus on growth, your customers, and continue to run your business fearlessly. Learn more at oasisadvantage.com slash podcast. Pump it up while your feet are stumping And the jam is pumping Look ahead, the crowd is jumping Pump it up a little more Get the party going Oh yeah, you know you gotta pump it up We're going old school 49ers action live Back in action streaming through your internet On Spreaker Radio This is the 49ers Brawl Podcast Presented by the Brawl Network My name is Jason Fearman And as always, sharing the carries with me Is Jacob Bonner Jacob we are exactly one week away from the big game. And I just want to ask you, my friend, how's therapy going so far? <laughs> we are one week, man. This time next week, we'll be in Miami getting ready for the big one. Man, I am so excited. This week has gone very, very slowly. Honestly, but, right? It's been the longest yeah. week of my life. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's been it's been a tough way out, but it's going to be so worth it. It's going to be so worth it come next week. No matter what happens, it's going to be a hell of a day. Oh, yes, it will, man. I can't wait. I can't wait. We're going to pump it up, man. Uh, we had a lot of action. We're going to be pumping it up all over the place. We'll talk about that. We got so many topics to go through. Obviously, we're focusing on the, we're focusing, excuse me, on the Super Bowl today. Uh, listen, Super Bowl 54, Kansas City Chiefs and our beloved 49ers, all made possible by the Brawl Network family at, at NFL Brawl on Twitter, excuse me. And the big brawl, again, is just days away. As Andy Reid looks for his first Super Bowl title in his second attempt, uh, we all know his first one, uh, going for the Lombardi Trophy was with the Eagles back in 2004 season when Donovan McNabb lost his lunch all over the field and Philly lost the game to the New England Patriots. Uh, So it's his second go around there, JB, being with a different team. Not many coaches get to do that. No, not at all. And uh, fair play to the guy. I I do think he's an incredible coach. I think we've seen that in in Kansas City since since he arrived. So it's certainly a worthy matchup for for the great Kyle Shanahan, I think, on the on the other end of the coaching spectrum, really. A little bit a little bit younger, but I think in his own right a genius as well, don't you think? Oh yes, and I'm not being biased on that. If that's what they're calling him around the league, you know, they're not even saying the next Sean McVay. It's just Kyle Shanahan is a genius flat out end of story. And yes, yeah, speaking of him uh, he goes back to the 2016 Super Bowl uh, being the offensive coordinator, not the coach, mm. under Dan Quinn. It was Super Bowl 51, I believe. Then just a few years ago in 2016, yes, he was highly criticized. They blew a 28-3 to lead against, again, the freaking Patriots. And, yeah, Kyle was criticized after the game for not running the ball on third and one specifically, but obviously more when they let up a four-score lead it's in the second half just – just awful. And, uh, you know, it's a valid point, Jacob. It really is. However, I believe that Shanahan's style made him stay aggressive. That's the way he is. But 
He's learned from it. Everybody makes mistakes. Every scene so far in the playoffs, they've been running the ball like crazy, barely <laughs> throwing it. So maybe he is a little scared. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But uh, uh, you know, a variety of other factors that they've turned him uh, into one of the best coaches and offensive mind in the league, like you said. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, there's there's something to be said for the fact that he stayed aggressive. I mean, he'd been doing it all season, and no one had an issue with it really when it led them to having that explosive offense and Matt Ryan to become MVP. And so, yeah, could he, could they have managed the game better? Yes, but it's not just on him, you know, it's on the defense as well. They led up and there's also a lot of crazy things that went went the other way. I mean, that Edelman catch, oh my unbelievable. That's the first thing that comes to mind always. What, that, on what yeah. best plays, to me, that's way better than the Ty- David Tyree play. I oh, mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, really it took did. so much more... Like the oh, millimeters, you know what I mean, and he, yeah. the the wherewithal and to be able to stay concentrated, to be able to make that, yeah, no, that's that catch was was unbelievable. Jumping so between three defenders, basically giving up yeah. life. <laughs> I mean, that was incredible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think Carl Shanahan, you know, I think he's looking for his redemption. And uh, the, the nice thing, though, is as much as I think everybody knows he is, I, I've not really heard. It about I don't think he's made this about him. I've not seen it in any of the like post game locker room speeches and press conferences. He's not making this about him and making this his redemption story. This is a new slate. This is a new team, and this is about the San Francisco Forty ers not Kyle Shanahan. Absolutely right. I couldn't agree more. That's a great point. When I even haven't thought of at all. Uh, yeah, Kyle, that's his. That's his demeanor. You know, he's cool, calm, collective. He does his thing. He doesn't make it about him at all. You're 100 percent right. So, point well taken right there. And speaking of him, al- uh, along with his daddy, uh, Mikey Shanahan, who won a couple of with the Denver Broncos over there, could be the first father-son combination to win a Super Bowl. How about that? Is that right? Is that right? I like that. that I like that. Unreal. The only other thing that basically blows my mind more as far as coaching is that Jim and John Harbaugh, I guess it's a horrible memory, but two brothers coaching against yeah. Are you freaking kidding me? That's incredible. That's incredible, right? Yeah, I loved that. I loved that. The lead up to that was hilarious. Oh my I must have I must have heard about it a million. You know, it's like last week when we played the Packers and they couldn't go about 90 seconds without mentioning Aaron Rodgers wanting to be a 49er in the 2005 draft and all that. And it was just brought up constantly. (laughs) And so it's the same thing when it was the the Harbour Bowl, as they liked to call it. Right. It was just brought up constantly every single time. No doubt the the, the Falcons Super Bowl will be brought up a lot this time. Yeah. uh, With with Carl Shanahan and Redemption. So, yeah, the storylines, the storylines all over the place. And that's what makes the Super Bowl so great is that so much has to happen for you to get there that how can there not be storylines, right? It really does. It, it It's it's amazing. It's it's a beautiful thing. Can't wait. Just can't wait again. Just one week away. And hopefully this week goes faster somehow. I'll try to go into like a, you know, a self-induced coma for three days just to make it shorter or something like that. I got I got to do what I got to do, man. <laughs> oh, boy. You guys can hear us on whatever uh, you get your podcast, wherever, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Speaker, Anchor, all that sort of stuff. Also, check us out at the Sports Column, where we invite writers actually to become part of the team. Um, you can check out our podcast on there. Um, I have a few articles up, as usual. I'll be making my predictions on that website soon enough. And uh, now it's really time, Jacob, to go through the topics along with the X's and O's, 
of this oh, yeah. really fantastic matchup we have coming up Super Bowl Sunday. And for a minute, let's stick with the coaching since we brought it up. You know, on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you in each coach, starting with Andy Reid, the season vet? I mean, I'm, uh, I think you've got to be pretty confident, really. I think his what he's been able to do with that offense, and don't get me wrong, he's got great weapons, and Mahomes is an incredible person to have on throwing the ball for you. But I think the way he handled the whole the whole situation is 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 really 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 something to kind of be admired and you don't get that kind of explosive offense without you know we know he's a bit of a risk taker and we like that and I always like that in a coach for sure so look if I'm the Chiefs I I'm not worried at all really about Andy Reid I'm whacking that up there as like a nine out of ten if I'm a Chiefs fan um that's that, yeah there's nothing that worries me too much about Andy Reid Yes, yeah, I, I say that's fair. You know, I'm I'm around an eight or nine uh, as well as you. I mean, listen, uh, his his attitude obviously is much different this time around. I mean, it's 15 years since he's been in the Super Bowl, and certainly he's evolved as as a coach. He seems much more lighter and looser right now. And I don't know if that's mm-hmm. a good or a bad thing. You know, we'll see come Sunday. But he seems to be taking this more with joy as opposed to. Uh, you know, kind of like freaking out, you know, a couple of weeks into the Super Yeah, I think you have to. I think you have to. But if you're not enjoying it, why do it? You know what I mean? This is yeah. supposed to be the exact thing that you work your entire career for. If you can't enjoy this, then what was it all for? Yeah, no doubt. Good point. And we're going to be enjoying it, by the way. Listen, I'm- <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to be going tomorrow night to uh, what they are now calling media uh, night, uh, to Super Bowl opening night. So I'll be there tomorrow live. Hope to catch a few interviews. I'll be there live tweeting for you guys. And you, my man, will be at the big game. And that's just unbelievable. Oh, yes. More into that, but gosh, I'm so jealous of you. So jealous, man. Really. I'm going to try to steal a ticket from one of these guys. I'm going to talk to Sherman. Of course, he's got an extra ticket laying around somewhere. He's a generous guy. I'm sure he'll hook it up. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But uh, what about uh, Kyle Shanahan? Um, you know, I- I'm v- listen, I'm extremely confident in him. It's hard to go to a 9-10. It's his first time being here as a head coach, although he has been here before and learned from mistakes and has been under tutelage that a lot of other coaches don't get, especially from a guy like Mike, his father. And the tree that he comes from, um, you know, coaching with all these guys, really, uh, you know, Shanahan. So with Kyle, I'm the lowest I would go is really a seven. I'm, I'm more around an confidence factor with him. I just feel like he's cool, calm, and he knows that he's got to get the job done and he's focused. Yeah, I would. I was going to say about an eight. I think he's certainly got he's been able to cook up some great game plans all season. What I would love to see if we need it. Look, there was a lot of games, especially early on in the year, where we didn't need to adapt because whatever we did was just working. And so later on in the season, we had to adapt a little bit more. And I think we did it good on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think we did it as well on the defensive side of the ball. And so what I'd be very intrigued to see is more, I suppose, less Shanahan and more Robert Salah. Look, if we're suddenly not able to stop the Chiefs' offense, which... Let's say let's you know let's not pretend that like that's that's not going to happen. At some point, we're probably not going to be able to stop them. How can we adapt? What do we need to do? What can we cook up? What's Plan B? What's Plan C? Let's have all of these ready in our back pocket because 
for example, in the Rams second in the second Rams game, they start moving the pocket, doing their rollouts, lots of screens, and we didn't really adjust well and kind of put it more on the offense to to bail us out. And so, I'd be intrigued to see what happens if suddenly the Chiefs get on a bit of a roll and how do we how can we adjust to that on the defensive side of the ball? That's the bit. If there's any kind of part of it where I go into it not feeling incredibly confident, you know, like a nine or 10, that's a little bit that's dragging me down. Yeah, sure. I mean, who, listen, who's not going to be afraid going against that offense, despite what Baltimore did this year and some other teams, Kansas city's got the best quarterback. They have the best offense. They have Tyree killed. They have Cole Hardman. These guys are, I mean, again, they're just like Olympic, Olympic athletes, the way that they run. It's, 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 look, this is going to be a tough ball game. We know it. We're going to go through it right now with the tail of the tape. Let's get right into it, bro. Here we go. A big matchup, obviously, is George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. They're not playing each other on the field, obviously, but we're talking about the two best tight ends in the league, basically hands down right now. I don't think anybody's even really that close. Zach Ertz might come second best, but despite all that, the Chiefs during the regular season, and there's regular season and postseason, they have improved defensively, but they have allowed 98 receptions to tight ends, which is second worst in the NFL during the regular season. And the 49ers defense has the fourth lowest completion percentage at 66% when it comes to targeting tight ends, and that's fourth best in the league. So that does bode well when you're talking about the defense going up against those respective tight ends. Yeah, I think a big factor in this game will be Quan Alexander. I think coming back in now, he we limited his uh, his snaps in the first game he came back. He actually played less in the second game than he did the first game, but that was more a case of the game script of us wanting to keep Kawan Williams in there in the nickel package a lot more. So that was more understandable. But I think he's our best cover linebacker, and I think he's probably the best matchup for for Travis Kelsey. I wouldn't particularly... I think Kawan's a great defender, but uh, I'd be a little bit worried about the size matchup. I think... Um, I think Quan Alexander can, can can hopefully hold his own. It's going to be tough. It's always tough because you've got this kind of target short yardage monster in Kelsey where they can he can find the gaps in these zones and stuff. But you don't want to be bringing the safety down all the time because you've got these speed merchants on the outside and in the slot. And so I think the Niners defense is set up fairly well to, to handle Kelsey. And I do think Kittle could be in for a big game. I mean, he's certainly been a key factor in most of the games, whether that's in the past, in, in pass, passing plays or whether that's run blocking. He certainly is able to make his mark on all and any games, really. So I certainly would probably give the edge to Kittle in this one. But Kelsey, man, Kelsey's one of those players where I think they're both those players where you, you sometimes wonder, are they a little bit matchup proof? Yeah, well, we're going to get into more of the matchups individual later, but, um, you know, great points made there. And, uh, you know, I will say this, somebody, the 49ers are going to have to let somebody kind of beat them because they have so many weapons. The 49ers defense are going to have to let somebody not go necessarily, but, you know, be one-on-one in maybe a rough situation. I don't want it to be Travis Kelsey, but we are very good against the tight end. I'm happy about that. And I know that George Kittle is going to be a much bigger part of this game. I mean, that goes without saying he had one catch for 16 yards last week. 
And Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be throwing the ball more. He's going to have to be throwing the ball more. We'll get more into that, no question. So I do expect a lot out of George Kittle. And I am curious how they're going to be going to cover uh, both guys, to be honest with you. And we'll get into those individual matchups later. We'll see. Next that I got for you is Chiefs only allowing in the playoffs right now 89 yards, where they were, I think, second worst in the regular season. Now we're talking about Derrick Henry and guys like, you know, Carlos Hyde, who is legit, and even a Deshaun Watson who could put yards on the ground. So they're doing a good job in the postseason in the two games they played but the 49ers are averaging 235 yards rushing in the postseason. So when you stack those up, those numbers are highly, I mean, it, it, that's a big difference. And we know what the 49ers love to do. So where are you giving the edge on that one? I've got to go. I've, I mean, I've got to go to the Niners on this one. Yeah, the Chiefs have done a lot better in the back end of the season. Early on in the year, they they were really poor, stopping the run, similar to last season. It was the same thing. But when you look at these playoff games, they were okay. They were behind in that Texans game, but they were leading again by halftime. And so the the Texans, I think, were, were, were certainly forced to try and go throw for throw with Mahomes to try and catch them up in that one. Good and then, and then if you look at the Titans game, man, that first half, Derek Henry was gashing through that defense. Mm-hmm. He was going for big, you know, and not big yardage as in forty fifty yarders but big carries every single every single drive and right. so getting chunks no doubt yeah yeah exactly and they did kind of try and try and stick with him and i do think the chiefs did uh, adjust to him fairly well uh, the game script did obviously change as well as the chiefs started to pull away but as we said before the titans run game is not the niners run game it's very different very much in its nature in its scheme the runners are, are very different in the way they um the way they attack the line of scrimmage. And so I think it's a different type of beast to be trying to stop this Niners run game. I think the way their blocks are set up, the misdirection, motion on 79% of plays, this is a very different type of run game. And I'm I'm intrigued to see how the Chiefs do adjust to it. I know Chris Jones, he, he played in the last game. That's a big deal for them. I think they expect him to play again in this one. And so... Niners have certainly got to do something to neutralize him because when he is on the field, he's an absolute beast. Ah, sure is, man. You know it. You know it. And oh boy, just another one. We'll see how it goes. But I'm certainly giving the edge of the 49ers, uh, you know, rushing. Uh, we'll see what's up with Tevin Coleman. Um, but I'm very confident, obviously, in Raheem Mostert and hoping that Matt Breida can get on the field and hold on to that football and, uh, you know, show off that speed. Let's see what happens. We know what he's capable of. Quick one to throw. Actually, Jimmy G. Seven times this year, he threw for over 250 yards. That's not astronomical, but we know what he can do. And when he did throw for 250 yards or more, guess what their record was? 7-0. and So don't tell me Jimmy G can't, <laughs> can't win you ball games. all right? They were 7-0 and when he threw for 250 yards or more. So they obviously needed him to make those plays. And yes, the 49ers are known for getting a big 40-yard play here and there, but mostly, you know, they do their dink and dunk action, their quick slants and things like that. So very efficient right there. And uh, speaking of the 49ers uh, receiving, look, they lead the league in yards after catch. It, we talk about Debo Samuel all the time. Even Emmanuel Sanders, when he's at his healthiest breakaway speed, that's a big thing for us, at yards after catch and breaking tackles against a defense that is not known for being such a great tackling team. 
Yeah, I think the the stat the stat we uh, we saw on the on the telecast was lowest yards, uh, you know, air yards in its yards per target, but highest yards after the catch. And so the receivers certainly do great jobs in once the ball is in their hands. And you think about all of them. You think about Debo. You think about Kittle. When they've got the ball in the hands, they are not easy to bring down. There's guys being shaken off those every single time they're catching the ball. And so that certainly helps. And the scheme, you know, a lot of this goes to Carl Shanahan. Think about the amount of times that someone's catching the ball from five yards from the line of scrimmage and they just there's just space. You know, it's all schemed up. Right. They've, you know, there's some pick plays. Kittle's broken in and then back out just as somebody's running the fade up just inside and he goes wide open. So a lot of that certainly goes to it goes into it and Jimmy G yeah look we're catching you know he's been catching a a bit of slack you know oh he only threw the ball eight times it's because he can't do it or whatever I mean I I couldn't care less about any of that Uh, as we said before you you could throw the ball no times and win and I couldn't care less because that's all that matters all it matters is that we win and let's not pretend that in the big spots where we've needed him, he hasn't performed this year. You look at the New Orleans game, look at Arizona, look at the LA game. I think he leads the league in uh, game-winning drives. He has the best um, QBR in the fourth quarter. And when we've actually needed him to do things, he has he has been able to perform and has been able to do it. Is he Patrick Mahomes? No. No, I don't think anyone needs to try and pretend that he's on Patrick Mahomes' level, but we don't need him to be Patrick Mahomes. We need him to be Jimmy G. We need him to be that guy that's happy to hand the ball off 12 times in a row if we want him to, because we're winning. But um, So I, I've I've really not got many worries about, about Jimmy going into this game. I think if we're down and in the fourth quarter, we need, to, we need him, you know, in a big spot, I, I trust he will be able to do it. The question is, can we stop them from getting, you know, can that be because we're down seven and not because we're down, you know, 14 or 20 when it then suddenly becomes kind of insurmountable. So I really do think it it, it relies on how we perform earlier and how we perform on, on defense as well. Yeah, and I'll say this just real quick. Uh, I'm not going to freak out if the 49ers go down 7-10-0 or anything like that. I'm really not. They're a very composed offense. And like I said, Jimmy G keeps his cool um, – I'm not worried about that situation if it does happen. I'm not going to get into that right now. But the 49ers are very capable. They could score points. And, again, this Chiefs defense is certainly no juggernaut. Uh, moving on with these stats a little bit real quick. I know the 49ers really don't throw the ball to their running backs as much as other teams do. But the Chiefs, um, they have led up the most yards passing two running backs. So don't be surprised to see a few screens here and there. The 49ers may mix it up. Uh, one stat going really well for the Chiefs that I did see is that they did give up the fewest yards allowed to wide receivers on defense. Uh, a lot of that, uh, I don't know. I mean, they have a decent secondary. We're going to go through it and who we think they should attack. And I'm going to give you one real quick. Listen, they got, a, they got, like I said, they got a few good guys back there, Breland and whatnot, but Kendall Fuller is a guy that the 49ers need to focus on. He is the chief mm-hmm. major weak link in the secondary. So, they can, again, they can use their matchups, the 49ers, and nobody moves the ball better than them before the snap. You know that that's my favorite thing about the 49ers team is, is what they do before the ball is even snapped. So 
they need to focus their attention on Kendall Fuller a lot and focus the passing game on him. Would you agree? Yeah, I think I would. I I, I certainly would. You look, uh, the the rest of the defensive backfield has looked really, really good recently. Tyron Matthews been everywhere. He's great. And I, yeah, and yeah, I could see, I could certainly see some screen game. We don't really do it too much with most up. Maybe, you know, if Coleman's in or Breed is in, maybe then we start to see it a little bit more. And so I could certainly see them attacking that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a funny one because I feel like the Chiefs team is kind of the opposite of the Niners team in that I think they have their star players and then there is a significant drop-off everywhere else. Whereas if you look, for example, in the the Niners, for example, defensive backfield... I don't know. I don't know who you target. You know, they'll probably try go after Mosley, just because that's been the one position where there's been some doubt, and you know, there's been some turnover. Who starts, etc. Sure. But I, I don't think there's a huge drop off really across across the. Well, let's include K1 Williams and go the five of them. I don't know. I don't really look and go. Oh no, let's just go after Jimmy Ward, or let's just go after Jakarski Tar, or let's just go after K1 Williams. I, I think it's it's a tough one for them in terms of trying to attack a weak link. And I think, whereas I think you look at the, the Chiefs and you go, right, yeah, Matthew's been great and Sorensen, the other safety's also been good. But yeah, then there's that drop-off for Fuller. It's the same, I think, with the with the receivers. And I do think their backup receivers are very good, but there's certainly a significant drop-off after Tyreek Hill, even just to, to Watkins and, and the others and Mecole. Demarcus Robinson, there's certainly that drop off. Same in the in the with the running backs, I think from from Damian Williams to the other guys, and so I think the Niners are certainly more more balanced in their in their attack and their abilities. And I wonder how that plays into their game plan, and do they try and maybe focus a bit more on themselves rather than focusing on how to pick apart the Niners? Yeah, there's a couple of things I want to touch on what you said. One thing is uh, that you mentioned uh, the way that we block, and that's how we get. Guys open in, in open space, whether it's Debo on an on end around or a straight up run play, whatever it may be. That's how great our blocking has been. Again, George Kittle makes a huge difference in that area. People really don't realize that. They just focus on the beautiful catches that he makes and, and what he does uh, with the ball afterwards. But another part is uh, you did mention Jimmy Ward. Um, if they're going to focus on somebody, it's probably going to be him. He has been percentage-wise, and I'm not a big numbers guy when it comes to uh, the NFL. You know, we're talking about the tail of the tape. It's a necessary thing to do right now. But Jimmy Ward has been that guy, other than Witherspoon, who's not going to see the field too much, we're hoping. Uh, that uh, he, He's been a guy who's who's been giving up a big play, you know, more than here and there. So he I would worry about, and uh, certainly I would try to line him up on one of the lesser wide receivers, not that they have many. I mean, look, you got still got Sammy Watkins out there. It's another guy who's a burner. They got speed all over the place, Jacob. Oh, they've certainly got speed everywhere. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's going to be a real tough tough thing to deal with. Is all the receivers have got speed? Whether they've all got the same ability, you know, in, in other facets of the game, one thing they do all possess is elite speed, and so it's going to be interesting to see how we adjust our cushion. You know, I, Sherman loves to play that press bail three, but it's, it's, it's a tough ask. It really is a tough ask. And what you don't want to be doing is, I think we mentioned this last week, is what the Titans were doing was starting 
you know, you start your corners now at eight yards. By the time they finish their back pedal, they're at 15 to 16 yards. <laughs> and Tyreek and Tyreek Hill's just going to, he just curls up for a 12 yard gain. And it's, they'll take that all day, every day. So you really have to find that nice middle ground uh, to where, if they are going to, you know, you, you don't want to be up top and just get beat over the top. And so you really need to balance where your alignment is based on what the coverage is, really. Look, if you've got, if you're playing two and you've got that safety that might be able to help you if you get beat over the top, then yeah, maybe you can play a little bit more aggressively, especially because you've just got the flats there. But if you're in three, it's a tough ask to uh, to be pressing someone like Tyreek Hill because if he can get you off the line, you, you're you on your own. You know, that's a hard it's a hard ask for, for Jimmy Ward to get right out over to the, uh, to the other sideline. So I do expect us to mix up our alignment based on our coverage. And I do think at some point they will take some risks. Don't get me wrong. And I do expect, you know, every now and again, we'll get some blitzes on, on Mahomes, and that'll certainly be a tougher ask for the DBs because if there's somebody that can extend the play, Patrick Mahomes has done it in this playoff very, very well. And another thing that kind of, worries me really for Mahomes is his ability with his legs. He's run the ball really well this postseason. And the reason we said going into the playoffs that teams like Baltimore, teams like Seattle, why they all worried us was because their quarterbacks all had the ability to convert, especially on third down with their legs. And that's something I think we've really struggled with. And so that is something I could certainly see as being a factor it's Mahomes extending plays, but also just taking off and running with it. Yeah, the only thing that we got going for us in that respect, because there's not much you could do with Mahomes, but we have a lot of team speed, so hopefully we'll be able to run him down. Uh, of course, obviously, we're never wishing injury upon anybody, so not even going to go over there. But look, we have a lot of speed on defense. Let's see if we can slow him down and, and hold him and let him slide. But yeah, that's something that I'm scared of also, man. There's absolutely freaking no doubt about it. No doubt. And Tyree Kill, another guy that you mentioned, we're going to get into that individual matchups, and it's really not going to be individual when you talk about Tyree Kill because Richard Sherman's not going to be on him all game, and I wouldn't want him to either because that would be a tough day. Nobody can guard, guard Tyree Kill all day. We're going to get into that a little bit more. Um, a quick uh, few more stats I want to throw at you, Chiefs. Uh, defense actually um, was fifth in the NFL in interceptions this year. They, <laughs> this is one. Oh my God! That you know, people still talk about it. I don't know if you remember or not, but there was um, preseason, uh, not a preseason game. It was a preseason scrimmage where Jimmy G threw five interceptions on five consecutive passes, and people were freaking out. And then what we saw in the preseason and the early season. It was just crazy. So I'm thinking about those two tied together. And, of course, he's not that guy anymore, Jimmy G. He is certainly evolved. But uh, the Chiefs, uh, they're an opportunistic uh, defensive uh, defensive secondary. We'll see. And a lot of that comes from their pass rush. And Frank Clark has been a guy who's we're going to really have to watch out. He's had six sacks in the last four games, man. He's one of their best pass rushers, and he's the guy to be reckoned with. Yeah, he's certainly a very, very talented pass rusher. But one thing that really stood out to me in that last game was his ill-discipline. Man, he jumped jumped offside a couple of times. And, um, you know, if that's, that's something that maybe normalizes it, right? Because you start to keep jumping offside and suddenly you're not so quick off the mark because you're worried about that. And so... Yeah, he pulled he certainly- up his board, man. 
<laughs> which is yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. For those who don't know, D. Ford is the guy who jumped offside last year for the Chiefs, uh, where they could have gone to the Super Bowl, but there you go, Patriots again. But now we got him, and we love him. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So he's certainly someone that will will take take a, a lot of uh, a lot of managing. And yeah, I remember that that Jimmy G practice five five interceptions in a row, and uh, I suppose it's before we knew the defense was this good, right? I remember them saying that. Uh, uh, if they knew the defense was was this good, they maybe wouldn't have been so worried about it because it was just uh, certainly a good defense. So, you know, he's, does he turn the ball over? Yeah, you know, we we see some kind of silly interceptions from him a, a lot of weeks. Kind of ranks guy in the middle of the pack in terms of interceptions thrown per game. This sits us sits us about eighteenth in in the league. So not you know not incredible, but it's not. I don't feel it's become a, a huge problem. Uh, I mean, it can't be too much of a problem because we're, we're in the Super Bowl. And so it's certainly something that could become a factor. Uh, the, the kind of interception I see a lot of from him is mm-hmm. throwing two linebackers as opposed to over linebackers. Certainly yeah. when it's kind of, it's, uh can be on the run, he can allow them to undercut routes a little bit too easily. And so it's something... Some of them to work on. No QB is perfect. He's going to have to go into, you know, spend these two weeks practicing that. But I mean, it'd be absolutely beautiful if we could be up early and we don't even have to worry about that because we've run the ball 27 times in a row or however many Kyle wants to do this time. Yeah, look, I'll take it. I, look, if we're running the ball 20 times in a row, that means that we're doing a lot of things right and the game is going our way. So I'll take that. Look, yeah, we'll have to watch out for Frank Clark, like I said. And, uh, Tip balls at the line, rushing, but uh, we've done a pretty good job this year off offensive line. Joe Staley's had kind of like a revival season. Mike McGlinchey's had his ups and downs here and there, but for the most part, he does his thing. So I'm, I'm hoping that the 49ers line can really keep it together, which I believe that they will, and that's a key stack going into this one. Uh, also, the 49ers, look, we talk about the defense all the time. Number one in passing defense, only giving up 162 yards a game. That's phenomenal. But we're going up against Patrick Mahomes, who averages 5,000 yards a game. So, I mean, look, hey, we got the right defense for him, but that's going to be a tough one, brother. Yeah, yeah. It's really one that, that – it's funny because you look at the matchup and you say that what they do well, we do well. You know, they can throw the ball well, but we have the best pass defense in the league. But it's it's just a different beast, really, It's this one. And so – it's a tough one. Like the Niners are best, not just in, you know, in yards, but in yards per pass attempt. They rank the best in the NFL, 5.3 yards per pass attempt. KC, they sit at, they sit at six. So they've been doing pretty good too as well. But this, this Niners defense really knows how to shut down that pass game. The thing that worries me is we've had few random games where that's just not been the case. You look at the Saints game, the Rams game, they're the two really that stick out to me where the you know the Niners weren't able to stop the pass. And the Saints game, we weren't fully healthy, nor the Rams game. So, you know, maybe put into that whatever you, whatever you wish. But there's been certain games where they've just not shown up, which that's the only thing that can, can kind of worry me really is that there is, a, there is a chance that that happens. And I think we'll do our, certainly do our best, but, if, as we always say, if there's a team that uh, 
to build built to come from behind and and take that lead it, it is KC so they'll certainly have their hands full uh, but I'm very excited to see what what Salah's got cooked up yeah I think that Saints game honestly was an outlier look neither team obviously both teams have better defenses than that so that was just one of those games where we're just going to throw it out and we'll see what happens almost like that Super Bowl uh, with uh Philly and uh um the Patriots nobody really expected the game to go like that that was insane yeah. so I'm not really worried about that uh, again, like 49ers, number one in uh, passing defense. They're second in tight ends. Fewest yards given up to tight ends. Fourth I'm, – I'm sorry, fewest to tight ends, second to running backs, and fourth to wide receivers. I'm reading this right now right in front of me. So that, uh, again, does both really well. But, again, different monster altogether. Uh, speaking of monsters, that's our offensive line. The 40 freaking Niners had the fifth most sacks – on the season, and that's without even blitzing. I mean, again, we talk about our, our front four all the time. That's what we got to do because we're going to need seven guys to drop back in this game. We're not going to be able to blitz that much. Let's be realistic, Jacob. It's it's going to be a tough thing. Um, yes, we're going to have to here and there. We got to mix things up, and I'm going to like to see corners come off the side. I want to see a little bit of of uh, maybe even Mosley, if we're the spoon is in the game, Ward coming off the side and making a sack. Even if they want to send Sherman, whatever it may be, you're going to have to mix it up. But for the most part, we know, again, they're going to drop seven back and rush that four, and nobody does it better than the 49ers. And I think the guy that they're going to have to target on the offensive line for the Chiefs, because let's face it, they don't have such a great offensive line. Yes, Mitchell Schwartz is an excellent blocker at right tackle, but on the left side, Eric Fisher's days are getting up there a little bit. And he's had a rough season, and I think that we really need to load up our right side to attack the left tackle, Eric Fisher, and that's where we can get in the face of Holmes, flush him out to the right, and who knows, maybe get that cornerback blitz going. So I'm kind of liking that defensive scheme going on a little bit. Yeah, and that left side uh, of the offensive line is normally where both the lines up, especially in passing down situations. You normally right. have default the opposite side, and one thing they worked really well on last week was their ability to almost work in unison. You know, they weren't independent pass rushers where one person rushes upfield and leaves a big gap in behind them. You know, it was almost like it was like they knew what the other one was doing and they were all getting to the perfect depths to not give that person the, the ability to escape. Because the KC offensive line is not incredible, but they also don't allow that many sacks. Yeah, but now, you know why they don't allow that many sacks. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's normally because Mahomes is able to extend this play. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and so the Niners really need to be able to play disciplined in their approach to pass rushing, uh, similar to how we said against Russell Wilson, etc. where let's not give him avenues scrambling up the middle, scrambling up for you. You know, we don't want someone going up out the, up at the, uh, out the sea gap because we've just rushed too far up off the edge. So, yeah, I think if we can over overload on that on that left side of the line, and then we can end up in a situation like last week. You know, we we did that against against the Packers, and then he goes to roll out right. No, he can't. D Ford's right there, and you end up just going backwards and backwards and backwards, and eventually they will get to you. It's just what we've seen so many times from Mahomes is he goes backwards and backwards and backwards, and then sixty yards downfield just gets the completion. Right. We've seen that way too many times. And you're right. The longer the play goes for the Chiefs on offense, the better that their chances are of getting a big play. We know that's going to happen. So you're absolutely right. Just like we talked about uh, 
you know, a couple of weeks ago and we were anticipating Russell Wilson. We were talking about him a lot, obviously. Yeah, we're not the best at uh, quarterbacks who roll out and who, you know, who can move around. And look, not many defenses are, obviously, but we're going to have to just do our best job. And yeah, like you mentioned with the Chiefs sacks, that's because Patrick Mahomes moves around. Look, he's the ultimate weapon. He's the best quarterback in the league. He can throw it. He can make throws that nobody can. It's ridiculous. He doesn't even have to look. He can use his left arm. You don't even need his right arm. He's going to be a problem, no doubt. But a lot of these, again, stats, which I'm not a big stat guy, but just looking again on the field and knowing what we do, I still have tremendous amount of confidence because I know that we can score the ball offensively. And I know that our defense is not just going to allow him to throw the ball all day long. They're going to make them run. The 49ers are going to mix it up. Look, they got more things going for them. The 49ers third down, the, the third down defense, third and third down defense, second in allowing points to getting it, to getting um, the offense uh, opponent into the red zone. But like you mentioned, a big thing is when they do get in the red zone, they score. We got to keep them out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We're very good on third down. But tell you what, Casey, they don't get to third down a lot. They convert so well on first and second down. They only have 11.4 third downs per game on offense. That sits them 31st in the NFL. So they do such a good on first and second down, you know, 6.6 yards per play on on first down. And they've got a really nice even split. It's about 50-50 on the run and the pass on first down. So they do a great job of kind of, keeping you guessing very different to where we played the Vikings where they're so run heavy on first down you kind of know what they're going to do and certainly I think with our coaching staff is it's a great thing to be able to know what a team is going to do and from as the downs get go on you know they just get more and more pass happy um and so yeah they it is it is tough because we're so good in third down which is such an important part of the game but they don't get there that too often and yeah, red zone defense, I think, has been really the weak point for the Niners. I think if you are able to get down to the to the red zone, it's one thing we don't do great uh, at right. all. And I know we mentioned in the past, I think it's because our run D is not so great. And obviously, when you're that close to the goal line, it really opens up the run game right there for you. So, yeah, I think the KC, they're kind of a different beast because they've got such an over-the-top threat compared to a team that's kind of, you know, look at when we played the Packers and they dink and dunked. It took them 11 plays to get all the way down to the red zone and then they were able to score. Whereas KC have got that ability to just hit you right over the top. It's so explosive on offense. And so it really becomes a different type of uh, threat to the threats we saw with the first two games. Whereas for the Chiefs, they're kind of probably going to approach this the same way they approach the Titans game. I know we said the run game is a different run game, so I don't mean scheme-wise, but I mean in kind of the general play tendencies. You know, we love to go, we love to run the ball, we love love play action. And that's very much what Tennessee was looking to do. They were looking to run, set up play action, etc. And so I certainly see KC having a little bit of edge in that sense that they can approach it in terms of tendencies a similar way whereas we have to almost completely change how we approach the last two games to this one. Well, yeah, I think, look, you know, film study is one thing, but they're going to have to study as much film as they possibly can and go after these tendencies and see, what, especially what a guy like Tyreek Hill does off the ball if he shows anything. 
it's going to be a tough job, but yeah, film study is one thing. And I, you know, I got to tell you a guy who does love film study. I'm just thinking about this now. If you remember John Lynch, who is now our beloved GM, God, do we love this guy? Him back in uh, the Super Bowl when they kicked the crap out of the Raiders, when John Lynch got his, John Lynch, when um, uh, John Gruden got his revenge, John Lynch was calling out like every single play the Raiders were going to run because John Gruden basically knew the offense. So it was just such a great thing to watch where film study really does come into play. So that's also going to have to be a key part of it. We're about to close out the whole stat situation. Um, One more interesting one, though. You know, Robbie Gould did not have his best season. He's been one of the better kickers in uh, in the league for a long time, but he has made his last 13 straight field goals, and we know how great he looked last week. So got a lot of faith in him. And, uh, you know, Harrison Bucker has been a, a great kicker for the Chiefs all year. He's got 11 straight. So if it comes down to a field goal game, uh, both teams should feel pretty confident, pretty confident in that. We'll get to our predictions in a little bit. We're coming out in the white jerseys, old school gold pants, man. Oh, boy. Here we freaking go, man. I just can't wait. Man, they didn't let us. They didn't let us with the throwback jerseys. I so wanted the throwback jersey. But I know. I, yeah. The NFL, NFL said no, but yeah, it is what it is. I'm still looking. It's still going to be looking good. I'm going to have to resist all temptation to buy to buy a, one with this little Super Bowl badge on, but... I think I might end up doing it, you know. <laughs> hey, look, you know what? The 49ers jerseys might be white before the game, but they're going to be full with a whole bunch of Chiefs red paint all over their jerseys. <laughs> smash them all over the place, man. That's just going to happen. Yeah. Here's know. a question for you. Oh, what? I'm just saying, if you're buying a jersey this season, hmm. one offensive, one defensive, who are you taking? Okay. Um, I'm not going to go with the obvious Jimmy G because you want to go with a guy who's going to be there for a while. You know, you want to feel confident oh, yeah. in that. With that being said, I would definitely go ahead and get Debo Samuel's jersey right now. Maybe, I mean, it's a tie between him, him and Kittle because I don't yeah. think either one of them are going anywhere. So, I mean, look, maybe I look. I probably have to go George Kittle because he's just the heart of this defense. But Debo Samuel's the second close man because he's in his rookie contract. He's going to be around for a while. And I believe the 49 is going to take care of this guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh if I'm on offense, Kittles, Kittles what I'm doing. In fact, I think across the whole team, Kittles definitely the one I'm doing. I think he's my he's certainly my favorite player. And I'd be surprised if we let him go anytime soon. So offense, I'm certainly taking George Kittle. But what about defense? Hmm, defense. We can go a lot of different ways. Again, we want to try to stick with a guy who's got there, somebody who's done a lot, but I Look, if the answer is not 97, I don't know what it is. All right. I'm going Nick Bosa all the freaking way, baby. Yep. Yeah. That's a, for me, it's between Bosa and Warner. Yeah. Uh, I thought of him. I, 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 I like them both. I think they will both be here for a long time, but I think it's more of a lock that Bosa will be there long term. Absolutely. Um, I don't think we let Warner go, but I could certainly see, look, what happens when a team gets to the Super Bowl or wins the Super Bowl? A lot of people need to start getting paid. And what what will happen in in a couple of years is some good players will get let go just to make room for it. It's what happens. People get overpaid after Super Bowls. And so would it surprise me if he was kind of the one that got let go? Maybe not. You know, maybe you go with, with, with Greenlaw and Quan Alexander long term. So there'd be a little bit of a worry there. But I think what he's done this season 
incredible. So it's hard not to go with him. But yeah, if you want in longevity, you probably got to go Bosa, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we love Fred Warner. He is, he look, he could be the MVP of the defense this year. You know, almost maybe even know that about it. The guy has been incredible, even given what our front four has done. Him on the backside, cleaning up everything. He he's been fantastic. So. Hopefully he gets his money. We know two guys who didn't get the money that maybe they were expecting this year. And this is where we're going to go to now. The advantage goes to two coaching head coaching candidates, Eric Bieniemy and Robert Sala. Neither one of them got a head coaching uh, spot, but seems like they will in the future, but not for now. We got them. We got Sala next year. Bieniemy looks like he's going to be back with the Chiefs. But the question is, Eric Bieniemy getting praise all year long for his play calling and rightfully so he's done a great job been a great coach for them almost as an assistant head coach against you know the second coming of uh, Vic Fangio over here and Robert Sala who has been fantastic not really a well-known name until this year and so and neither was Eric sleeping with the enemy uh, for that matter as far as uh, uh the guys are thinking of head coaching so much as far as the mainstream is concerned so the question is who do you give the advantage to? Eric Bieniemy's offense or Robert Sala's defense? And that is as tough a question as I can even think of right now. Yeah, it's really tough because you're picking the the two strong points of the teams, right? You're picking the the, the Chiefs' offense and the Niners' defense. They're the two ways they've kind of piggybacked to the to the Super Bowl. They've carried the load, and so it, it it's a tough one. I I'm probably going to lean. I'm probably going to lean the enemy just because I think the Chiefs offense is, it really is unbelievable. And don't get me wrong, the Niners offense, the defense has been unbelievable, but there has been spotty performances here and there where they've needed the offense to carry them. Whereas I think the Chiefs offense really has been firing all year. Even when Mahomes was, was out, that was kind of their low point, but they really managed to still get things done. And so I'm going to, I got to lean with the Chiefs on this one, unfortunately, but oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Well, Dad, listen, it, it makes sense, and again, I'm not trying to be biased here, but I'm going to go with Salah actually because I feel like he can do a better job adjusting. He knows what his defense can do, what his players can do. Not that Eric Bieniemy doesn't, but I feel like we already know what the Chiefs are going to run. We just have to stop it. I don't think they're going to change too much. I don't think they're going to be trickery. I think they're going to just basically come out and do what they do, and you go ahead and try to stop us. So I think knowing that, I'm going to give the edge to Salah a little bit where, again, that film study and knowing what his players can do and kind of knowing what's coming. Again, I mean, listen, he's not Nostradamus. He's not going to know what comes every play. But I feel like his ability to adjust on the fly a little bit is going to really help out against this offense. So – it's really close, really. We're splitting hairs right there, and we might be splitting hairs with the next one, but I'm going to go with the advantage goes to going on the other side is Kyle Shanahan versus Steve Spagnuolo. Spagnuolo, I'll tell you right away, you know, you know, Stevie's been around for a long time with the Giants, won the Super Bowl, this and that. Great job. He's had his ups and down years in Dallas even, but Kyle Shanahan's offensive mind, again, we've talked about it, is – really second to none. And I don't want to hear about Sean McVay. He's great in his own right, no doubt. But what Kyle Shanahan does is remarkable, and he keeps you guessing. And Steve Spagnuolo is really going to have to be on his feet in this one. Yeah, the advantage here for me goes goes to Kyle Shanahan 100%. I think 
Spagnuolo is a great, uh, it's a great coach. Don't get me wrong, but man, the things that we see from Carl Shanahan just never fail to amaze me. Some of the plays, some of the concepts that get drawn up, and his ability really to to game plan each week and attack a team's weaknesses. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing when you see somebody wide open with no one near him for twenty yards. Yep. That. That's play calling. That's play design. That's that's the coaching, and that's Carl Shanahan. So, for me, this one's this one. It's it's all in Carl Shanahan. And look, we if we need to throw the ball and, and win the game, he can do it. If we need to run the ball eleven times in a row to win the game, we can do it. He he will hot feed the hot hand of whatever's happening. So Agreed. I've got to go with Carl Shanahan. Agreed. Now we talked about uh, Eric Bieniemy and Robert Sala kind of individually their matchup, but. We're going to have to talk Chiefs offense, the players in totality versus the 49ers defense. I'll go really quick and then I'll I'll give it to you. I love the 49ers defense. They're incredible. You know, they're kind of standard in what they do. Again, they're not one that gives you a whole lot of trickery, obviously. They don't blitz that much. So given the fact that the Chiefs have so many weapons on offense and if a play breaks down, I'm going to give the Chiefs offense – the benefit of the doubt because of really just one guy. And it's not that these other players aren't excellent. They are. You got Kelsey Williams. You got obviously Hill and Watkins. We talk about all these guys and there are even others that can play. The Chiefs, I will give the advantage on offense against the Niners defense. Yeah, I've, I've probably got to, I've got to agree with you slightly. And I think that's really the, that, I think that point and almost that point alone is what is making them a slight favourite in that in this game. Uh, and it's it's funny because the Niners have had a better scoring offence than the Chiefs have this year. But I, I think the Chiefs' explosivity on offence just really gives them something that no one else has, really. Mm-hmm. And and it really does. It comes down to Patrick Mahomes. I think he's the best, best quarterback in the league. Um, I don't think it's close. And... When he's on the field, they've got every chance to win every game. I mean, you only have to look at last year when they probably, you know, if not for D Ford offside, I think would be right now walking into this game defending Super Bowl champions, going for the back to back, and that was with an awful defense. So if he can do that last year, there's no telling what they could do with a much improved defense. Very possible. We'll see. We'll see. So I'm going to agree with you on that one. Let's see if we agree on this one. I'm going to give it to you first. The 49ers offense now and again, we're talking players on the field versus the Chiefs defense. Who do you got? I think I'm going to go offense again. I think the Niners offense right here. Look, they've got the ability to run the ball and they've got uh, certainly got a good matchup here against the Chiefs defense as we spoke about earlier. But versatility is really the word that springs to mind when we talk about this 49ers offense. They can run the ball, they can pass the ball, but their ability to disguise what they're doing is what impresses me the most. You know, they can have three or four different plays and they will look identical until about three seconds into that play. And that is an absolute nightmare as a linebacker, as a safety. And we really saw it on the third and eight trap play that sprung most its first touchdown last week. You had DBs still off covering their receivers because they just couldn't read the play Mm -hmm. and they're off. They're all still off covering and most it's 30 yards downfield about to score. And so 
versatility it's really for me is explosivity versus versatility yeah. and it's going to be so much fun to see what comes out top and you know it and look right now we're leaning toward a high scoring game over here the way that we're talking it sounds like you know both teams are going to be able to put up points it's you know it, it, i gotta tell you man i don't see a lot of punting in this game we'll talk more about it but i don't see the punters coming out uh too often and uh I also do see a couple of turnovers going one way or the other. It's, it's going to have to happen. You know, the 49ers defense is too good and things do happen in a ball game. We'll see how the ball bounces, but man, are we in for a good one? I can't wait. Let's get to a couple of these really quickly. We did go over the coaching. Um, you know, Andy Reid does get the edge in this one. We talked about it. One interesting one, and both of them have pretty decent special teams, more than decent, pretty good special teams. And let's not kid ourselves, that's a big aspect of the game. We're talking about uh, field position or even the running the ball back for a touchdown, blocking a punt, blocking a field goal, whatever it may be. What have you seen this year? Who do you think has the edge on special teams, which could be a huge factor? It's a really tough one. I remember looking at the punters matchup actually earlier this week and they are just so good at dropping the ball where they where they need to. Between them they've they've had five touchbacks on punts this whole season. Wow. You know, one has three, the other has two. I can't quite remember which way round. But that's 5%. 5% of punt, of their punts are going for touchbacks. They are doing such a good job of pinning teams back when they do need to. And that that sort of thing has such an impact because we know the second you add on five yards or 10 yards to your starting field position and your chance of scoring dramatically changes. And so it really is a, a, a huge, huge factor. And it's, it's really tough. They've, I mean, they've got good return men. Miko Hardman certainly does a great job as does Tyreek Hill when needed. And so I probably going to give the slight edge to the Chiefs because I think their return game is more dangerous than the Niners return game. Don't get me wrong, I think Richie James is a great punt returner and kit returner, but I have more fear in Miko Hardman than I do of the Niners return game, I think. Well, I I agree. I agree with you in a slightly different way. And look, let's hope that we don't have to see Mitch Wisniewski out there. I can't pronounce his last name. I haven't been able to all year. So let's hope we don't see him out there too much. But here's why I'm going to give it to the Chiefs, even though I love the 49ers uh, special teams all the way around. I mean, not just the, you know, returning with Richie James, who, who does give us good field position. And I believe that he will. But the reason why I'm going to take the Chiefs is because I think they're going to put Tyreek Hill out there a lot to return if they do have a lot of returns if the punt game comes into play because it's a Super Bowl. It's the last game of the year. And not that Nicole Harbin can't do it. Either one of them is extremely dangerous and I think have done it more, more experienced, maybe a little faster, whatever it may be. So, yeah, I'm going to give it to them. But, I yeah, I fear if they put Hill back there, that reminds me of like a Deshaun Jackson thing. So I don't need to be seeing that, man. Um, that thing would be a little bit fearful. But – Again, I don't think that we're going to see a lot of punting in this game, man. I really don't. No, no. I mean, it's funny. I remember the game a couple of weeks ago where they said, oh, they put back, uh, they put Tyreek back there for the big ones and then he fumbled two of them. So right. it's funny. <laughs> but yeah, look, these two teams, they don't punt. The Chiefs punt 3.1 times a game, San Francisco 3.2. They're both yeah, in the go. 
you know, the lowest five in the league. And so this isn't a, a game where I expect to see a lot of punts, but I do think that, you know, there's, there will be some better defense in this game. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see higher than that average, but yeah, the, I don't expect it to come into play too much. But the thing with special teams is for me, the the main thing on special teams is just not messing up because it's tough to win the game with special teams, but you can certainly lose the game with special teams, and yep. that's fumbling the ball, absolutely. allowing a blocked punt, etc. They're the they're the they're the things that can absolutely kill you. Flipping and it so, to a referee in the in the end zone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take a knee if you're going to take a knee. Take a knee. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's certainly one of those things where. I'm I'm not too fussed if there's not any huge returns, any huge special teams plays for the Niners. But what I'd want to see is that there's no huge mess ups on special teams because that can really kill you and can really swing momentum. Absolutely. That's the biggest thing. The biggest fear now is seeing number 13, James, you know, dropping that ball at the 10 yard line. That'll freak me out. Yep. That's something that can change the entire game. You're absolutely right. It can lose you the game big time. And then sometimes I get flashbacks to that Super Bowl, freaking Jacoby Jones running the second half kickoff right down for a touchdown. Uh, oh, yeah. God, hey, that's why I turned the lights out. I mean, something had to be done. I told you. <laughs> uh, guys, again, you're listening to the 49ers Brawl podcast with Jacob Bonner and myself, Jason Fearman. I am on Twitter at SportsProfit1. That is the number one. My boy, uh, JBB over here is at JBBFootball. Follow him, world record holder, most stadiums seen in shortest period of time. My partner right here, Rock and Roll. We're going to keep it going, getting toward the sweet uh, end of the show over here. Well, not necessarily the end, because we still got some individual matchups to go to. Uh, we're going to talk about Eli Manning a little bit. We're going to have to mention that, but uh, we got a couple more categories to go to. So let's see what we got here, Jacob. Uh, we did talk about, again, Travis Kelsey, obviously, and the danger that he is, and who's going to guard him. It's going to be. Is it going to be Williams? Is it going to be Warner? Is it going to be Tart? Even you know, is it going to be Alexander? You said that you would probably like to see Alexander on him. If if I'm correct, is that something that you would do on, you know, on most downs, or would you kind of feel the game out a little bit? What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm taking it on early downs. I'm taking it on those downs. Look, remember we said first down, fifty fifty run pass. So if you've got someone like Alexander who can cover very well against the tight end it really allows you to be in that three linebacker set that you want against the run and I could certainly see us running a little bit less of that especially second and third down but on this early down that first down if we can have three linebackers out there in with full confidence that if it is a pass play Alexander is able to to cover Travis Kelsey then that's certainly something I'd be very happy for us to do. As we get onto the seconds and third downs, you know, second down is about 60-40 in favour of the pass, and third down goes 80-20 in favour of the pass. So I could certainly see uh, linebackers coming out on second down, maybe even both of them out on third down for sure. And But yeah, early on, that would kind of be my plan. Yeah, all right. Yep, yeah, that uh, I would go with that too. Let me see what happens. I like Quan Alexander on him. You know, let's see if he could do a good job. You know, just holding him to you know four or five yard gains. Yeah, they're chunk. They're, you know, they're little chunk plays. They can hurt, but uh, we've seen what he can do. It could be a lot worse. 
All right, let's see on that one. Another guy I'm worried about is Damian Williams. He's a dual threat. We saw it last week. We've known it all season. The boy could play, all right? So that's another one where it's another, not Travis Kelsey player, but type of situation where what do you do with him out of the backfield? We know they're not going to run the ball more than 10 times this game. They're really not, unless, God forbid, they are winning the game in the fourth quarter. So I don't see them running the ball a lot. Knowing that and knowing they throw him the ball out of the backfield, What's your plan there? Yeah, it certainly is a tough one. He's, he, he really is a threat out of the backfield. It certainly depends uh, on alignment and coverage. They're the two main things. Look, if he's aligned the same side as Travis Kelsey, then it's not as simple, really, as to say, okay, we'll stick the other linebacker on him. Because uh, you've really then got that crossover. It's a pretty tough matchup for him to get out get out there from the backside of the box. So there really needs to be that, work on communication between the linebackers so that let's say Alexander is on Kelsey and then sees that Williams is out in the backfield, then he needs to be able to get down to Damian Williams in the knowledge that Warner or Greenlaw has now shifted across to Kelsey. So there's a lot of kind of, a lot of crosses overs, a lot of Fox calls. They need to be sure to know that they are able to interchange responsibilities depending on the play. And if we're in kind of a, like a like a three zone look, then I think you really just leave it to the to the flats defender. And given kind of the amount of people close to the line of scrimmage on a cover three, I think I'd be pretty happy to 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 let people rally to the ball. It's one thing we've said is a great strength of this Niners team is they rally really well and they're able to tackle very soundly. And so if we're in that kind of situation, uh, I'd be quite happy to let him let him catch it in the flats and you know. Sherman can force him back inside. The linebackers rally really well, as does Chikowski Tart, who is, who I think was, you know, very, very good at that last week. So that's certainly how I'd be trying to defend Damian Williams, who he certainly can be threat in both the run and the pass game. Yeah, he, I'm telling you, man, he's the guy that they got so many weapons, you know, Hill and Kelsey and everything, but he's, he's the guy who may scare me as much as anybody because of his versatility and not exactly knowing what he's going to do. So communication will be key, like you said, especially between the linebackers, um, you know, when they got that Kelsey and they got Damian Williams in the backfield situation, we got to see. They do swarm to the ball, so I love that idea as well. You know, look, I can see the 49ers front four getting pressure on Mahomes, you know, within those, you know, 1.5, two seconds, and he's got to get the ball out uh, to Williams early. And all of a sudden, here comes Quan Alexander or Fred Warner and, you know, hits him for a one-yard gain at most. I can see that happening. That could throw off the Chiefs a little bit as well, all right? The thing that probably scares me more than anything is the downfield passing, all right? That's something that fears me. I keep seeing Tyreek Hill behind the defense, Watkins behind the defense, Hardman behind the defense, somehow getting over that safety. I'm worried about that, man. That That's that's one of my biggest worries going along with what Damian Williams can do. They just can do so much to hurt you, but... So can the 49ers. And again, George Kittle is going to be, if not the focal point, a huge part of this offensive game plan. There's no doubt about it because there's really not much you can do about it. So what do the Chiefs do about it? Tyron Matthew, Daniel Sorensen, double coverage. What's the story here, man? What do you think? It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I think the safeties are probably the way to go. Uh, I I, I don't like a a linebacker on him as as a matchup. So I'd certainly be looking. I think Sorensen will probably be 
largely the person that they go to. And it's a tough matchup for him. Again, it's going to depend on the coverage, but what I'd like to see us try and do more to uh, to get him open is there's been so much in the past few games about his blocking ability, you know, and about how much we've run the ball. So play action really for me is key for George Kittle to this weekend because if he has that ability and even more so because we've seen plays where he's blocked D linemen and then gone up to the next level and blocked a linebacker. So if we can get to a position where he's blocking and then releasing, but instead of releasing up to the linebacker, he's releasing out to catch a pass. That is just an absolute nightmare if you're the safety, because you might see him blocking that D lineman and you come down thinking, right, I need to get past him before he can get up to my level. And then he just slides right past you and catches the ball. It's just a nightmare for your read. You can't play anything a hundred percent. And so I'm really hoping that play action here for the Niners will be a huge, huge asset to them because it's a tough, tough ask for Daniel Sorensen in his reads against George Kittle. Sure, man. Look, it's a tough ask for anybody. And there's one thing that I can see coming out of this that I can see on both sides, really, you know, with a guy like Tyree Kill. But I can see George Kittle getting getting uh, PIs all day long, not on him, on the defense, of course, is what I'm talking about, because I believe he's going to be open. He's huge. He's tough to cover, to bring down. I think that they're going to be jumping all over him. And I wonder how the referees are going to call this game in the Super Bowl. It's different every year. Yeah, you want to let guys play, but you also want to play by the rules. And we know the rules have come up quite a few times here in the playoffs here in this 2019 season. But I would watch out for that, seeing how the referees are also calling the game early on and maybe basing what you're doing off of that. We'll see. Uh, just a couple, just maybe one or two more with the individual matchups. We're moving on to the next category over here on the 49ers Brawl podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 49ers Brawl. That's where we're at. Check out our uh, Twitter page, our Facebook page, wherever the hell we're at, man. We're all over the place. We're rocking and rolling. It is Super Bowl time. Tyreek freaking Hill. Okay. Like we said, uh, Richard Sherman has had one of his unbelievable year, like a reemergence here from the Seattle Seahawks days. So, Loving what he's doing. We know that he doesn't travel. We talked about that all uh, week last week with Devontae Adams. So what do we do with Tyreek Hill, knowing that they got other weapons out there and he can take the top off the defense? We talk about our cover three all the time. Is that going to do it? And it really kind of doesn't matter which cornerback starts out on him. And also one thing I want to add into that with the question is should we try to even pressure him at the line or just automatically already give him five to seven yards? Uh, I think it depends what you've got behind you. As I said earlier in the show, if you're just uh, playing three or one, it's really, it is a tough ask to play him straight up on the line. We saw that last week against Devontae Adams where he got beat at the line, did Sherman, and because it was three, he didn't have that recovery. And so I think if we're in two or two man, hey, go play aggressive, go pressure him because there's really not much you can do too wrong there. But if you've got the the the, the cover three or the four, then I don't like starting so deep on him. But you just maybe got to be a little bit... You either have to be six, seven or eight and you're a bit more cautious in your back pedal or you're at like three or four and you're a bit more aggressive in your back pedal. And... It's really going to be down to Sherman Peel to read the game. And that's where experience will be a huge factor for him. So it wouldn't surprise me if he starts to play a little bit further off. Um, 
I could certainly see him, which he loves to do, is start up at the line, get you audible in, thinking you okay, you're going to take that, you're going to take that vertical, you're going to take that nine route, and then during the cadence, he'll go back off and give himself that cushion. And right. that's really what he's trying to do. He's trying to bait you into playing that deep zone, and then he's already given himself his cushion. And then it's really down to, you know, how does the offense hot route in the choice routes? Does he then curl up? And they certainly then they're for, you're forcing them to to make more decisions, which obviously then gives more opportunities for there to be miscommunications, not being on the same page. So I would love to see Sherman playing games a lot with Tyreek, with his alignment, and trying to get them to do that. But the one thing you always have to be careful about when you are playing games is that you don't end up in the wrong position. So it's all well and good going up to the line and planning to back off, and then they go on first sound or silent snap, and you're suddenly you're in the wrong position. So really got to be cautious with how we play, but I certainly think there needs to be a lot of games played, a lot of mix up in the alignments to not make it so easy for them decision wise. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be a tough task. We all know it's Tyree kill, especially when the play breaks down, uh, you know, Mahomes will be looking for him deep and he can hit him. And, you know, Tyree kill, not the tallest guy in the world, but he can leap to tall buildings in a single bound. That guy is some athlete, man. We got a lot to watch out for, but then again, bro, so do they. And that's what people aren't really understanding is the fact that we're not just a defensive team. We're a great defensive team, but we have an excellent offense. I'm not going to call us the greatest offense, the best show on turf, whatever, all this nonsense, but we can score points and we can do it in numerous ways. And we're not going against a juggernaut defense. I feel so confident that we're going to be able to score points. I know they will too, but I Definitely believe that we're going to make more stops, more sacks likely, or at least more QB pressures, which is key. No quarterback likes to be pressured, maybe except for Pat Mahomes because he can do whatever the hell he wants. But again, I really like our matchups and just the things that we've done in the season. We don't rely on focusing on one guy too much. Like Bill Belichick wants to take your best player out of the game. Yeah, we want to take your best player out, but we're not going to focus all our attention doing that because if we do, we lose track of others. And there's way too many players in this game that can do too much damage on both sides. And we're going to talk about that right now in a little prediction, which is the over-under we're calling more or less Jacob. The first one, Jimmy G. We talked about 250 passing yards. He's 7-0 and this season. Does he get 250 passing yards this game? 250, I think he's got that in him. I certainly do think he's got that in him. I think we expect him to throw more than he did last week. And it's a little bit of a different expected game script, right? I don't expect us to be way ahead in this one. I expect us to to have to throw the ball at some point. I think we will spend some time behind. I'd love it if we didn't, but I'd be surprised if we went through this game without you know, without a deficit at some point. And so I certainly think that we will we will rely on Jimmy at some point. Like we have done many times this season and every time we've had to do that, he's done it. So I'm going over. Yeah, look, if, especially if we can get that running game going early and they're, you know, throwing seven, eight guys in the box and they're really fearing it, there's no way they can guard our guys one-on-one. So I also do believe that he'll throw for over 250 yards this game. Um, I'm not going to go as far as say 300. The numbers really don't matter to me, but I think that he'll throw for, for more than that. So I'm certainly going to agree with you on that one right there, my friend. Uh, next one we got is Pat Mahomes. We know he throws a ton. 
Now I'm asking you, will he throw for 325 yards more or less? Uh, I'm going to go under here. 325 is, is high. His average is near that. It's, his average is, is pretty high. But I think there's got to be some adjustment here for the 49ers defense, which is so good against the pass. And so I do certainly see the Niners having some success. I don't think we're going to shut him down. I don't think you can shut him down. But I certainly see there being some sort of adjustment down by how good the Niners DBs and defensive backfield has been. So I'm going to take the under on that one. Yeah, I'm not going to hurt my Niners over here with this one. I think a lot of yards, maybe even 100 to 150 of them could come from Williams and, and Kelsey, which wouldn't necessarily be on a secondary as much. So I am going to go over on this one. I think Mahomes can throw for probably about 350 this game. That does not mean that they're going to win the game because Aaron Rodgers threw for, what, 365, 380 last week or whatever it was. Now, we know that that was because they were behind by 300 points, but um, I I can definitely see Mahomes throwing that many yards because, again, they're not going to run the ball that much. That's another thing. So if we can keep him under 325, then this game could be a blowout. We could destroy him, to be honest with you, because we know they're not going to put up a lot of yards rushing. So we'll differ there, but hopefully it's for the same good reason. Uh, Raheem Mostert. He's not our only guy, but he has been the guy. We know how much Kyle Shanahan loves, loves Tevin Coleman. We've had our ups and downs with him on this show. We know that. Hopefully we'll get him on one day and we'll, you know, we'll talk it out. But he is our main guy right now. There's no question. Does he go for over 100 this game? I, I don't think so. I think 100, 100 is high. He certainly has the ability to. We saw that last week, but. 100, 100 is, is a lot, and it's normally a case of the ball being spread out a little bit. You know, Tevin Coleman sounds like he'll be good to go. Whether he is 100% or not, I'm not too sure. But similarly, I think I see us throwing the ball more in this game. And so 100 is probably a bit too high for me. I'm probably going to have to take the under. Yeah, I'm going to take the over, actually. I'm going to go uh, over 100. I think that he's going to bust one for at least 50 yards. I truly believe that uh, that's more than capable against the Chiefs defense. So I think that chunk right there, and we know that Kyle Shanahan is going to ride the hot hand, most likely going to be him. So I am going to go with most of going for over 100 yards this game. All right, we'll see. Speaking of rushing yards, total rushing yards, for the San Francisco 49ers. I may know where you're going on this one based on your last answer, but total rushing yards for the team. That includes everybody, of course, even Debo, 150. Ooh. Now, mind you, we've been averaging 235. Mm. Mm. I think most it's in for about 75. So it's, can we get 75 across the others? I'm going to lean on the over this one because I see Debo getting at least two rushes and his yards per carry, you know, when he gets a rush, it's generally for a first down, you know, he can get, he's got a high yards per carry there. And I think I do see Tevin Coleman having some work. I, I would lean on the over on this one, but I think that's a good line. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's see how it goes. Let's see. 150. Um, You know me. I, I already say over because I think most of himself is going to do uh 150. So I think more rushing yards will come. And hopefully it's at the end of the game. We're running down the clock, man. We'll see. But uh, Damian Williams, another guy who can run the ball. But again, they don't run the ball a lot. Is there any chance that he can break 75 yards on the ground this week against an Niners defense? 
Uh, I think 75 is probably a little bit too high if we're talking just rushing yards. I think if that was scrimmage, I'd probably, I would be going over, but I think 75 on the ground is probably too high. So I would take the under there as well. Well, again, you must be a prophet because my next question to you was his all-purpose yards. How about 100 all-purpose yards? 100 all-purpose? Yeah, I would. I could see 100 all-purpose for sure. I think uh, I see him getting 30 to 40 through the air and 50 to 60 on the ground. So 100 is probably about right. Yeah, certainly, I could certainly see him getting 100 there. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. I'm, I hope not. I hope not. I hope you're wrong, my friend. But um, mm-hmm. I do as well think that he'll get over 100 all-purpose yards this game. Um, he's just he's a tough matchup for anybody. He really is, especially with, with um, Mahomes throwing the ball. All right, how about our boy, George Kittle? I set the bar pretty high at 100 receiving yards because he hasn't really hit that in a bit. We certainly know he's more than capable of it. He can catch 10 balls for 150. Um, I'll go first on this one. Like I said, I think Kittle's going to be more part of the game plan. I think it's going to be him, a lot of running, Debo Samuel, and a few different uh, type of offensive trickery plays, if you want to call it. So I think Kittle's heavily involved in this game because they cannot guard him. So I'm going over 100 yards. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you on this one. I do think... uh... Well, he's had quiet games uh, catching the ball the past two games, but we've just not been throwing the ball. And as we said, we expect more more pass game this game. And so he's certainly going to be a big part of the game. We know that. He's a high-volume guy. And so I could certainly see us hitting him often and, you know, and regular catches. So I, I would agree with you on that one. Yeah, I'd like to get him going early and often, too, so the Chiefs really have to put a lot of focus on him to open up other things. So Kittle is such a key part of this game. My God. Ooh, such a key part. Uh, So over 100 for me as well. I think that he's going to have somewhere between 9 and 11 catches this game. I really do. What about his counterpart, Travis Kelsey? Same amount of yards, 100 receiving yards. You think he'll break it? No, I'm going to go under on this one. I, I think he will get a lot of catches, but I think we'll rally to him pretty well. And I think the high yardage numbers for me, I'm more worried about guys like Tyreek Hill than I am Travis Kelsey. And so I'll lean on the under on this one. You took the words directly out of my mouth and put them into your British accent, accent my friend. That was perfect. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. He can definitely have eight, nine, ten catches in this game, but I believe they're going to be for more around 70 yards because, like you said, I think we'll swarm to him pretty quickly. Uh, two more. The next one, this is this is a tough one, but uh, we know that he can do a lot of different things. We just mentioned Debo Samuel. Can he get 100 all-purpose yards in this game? Ooh, 100 all-purpose. He, he certainly can. Yeah, I think he can. I think he can. I think we're going to use him in a lot of different ways, and it certainly opens up what we can do with him because suddenly when you're worried about someone rushing the ball, it can certainly open it up once you then go play action into that. So, yeah, I, I, I think I, I think he could do it all purpose. Yeah, I would go, yeah. I got to tell you, the more I talk, the more I realize how many playmakers are on these teams. My God, we are really in for one heck of a Super Bowl. God, please let both teams stay healthy, please. I, I, I want to see this so bad. All right, last one on the more or less before we go to who you got which will be our last segment and predictions will be coming later on this week when my boy is down here in Miami, hopefully side by side before the Super Bowl, we will be making our predictions. 
Uh, these predictions are now so far. Keep it going with the last one here and more or less Tyreek Hill, the guy that uh, we certainly fear, the cheetah over there. 125 all-purpose yards for him because we do know that he can run the ball occasionally as well. All-purpose mean we're including punt returns and kick returns? Um, you know what? No. Line is, I should go. I should okay. uh, be more specific, specific, excuse me, and say uh, from scrimmage. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, 125, I think. Mm. I'm going to lean on the under on this one. I think I think he goes under. I, I think he's going to have a big day receiving. Um, and they do get in the ball a couple of different ways, but I do think... 125 is just a tad too high, so I'm going to go on the under on here. I'm actually going to go on the under too, and there's one thing I do fear also with the way that they call their game plan. They move him a lot around. They move him around a lot. I'm like, have dyslexia all of a sudden. They move him around a lot, uh, you know, pre-snap as well. So if he comes into the backfield and now we're focusing our attention on him, I mean, that can cause, uh, again, a change of game plan later on or where the 49ers are confused. What is he going to do? So... I don't see a lot of rushing yards from him either, but I do see him catching, and uh, I, I, I do see him having a lot of receiving yards this game. I think he's going to get one of those bombs that are a 50-60 yarder where he catches it, hopefully not for a touchdown, but I certainly can see it. Again, the key for the Niners defense, keep these guys out of the red zone. Once they get in, we're, we're effed, okay? <laughs> Just to put it that way, all right? We're in trouble, all right? So we can't have that happen. Keep them out if they get in. We're in trouble. Uh, I'd rather see their field goal kicker a lot this game um, rather than ours. Robbie Gould, I love you, but please take a break and sit down. Let's just score touchdowns, come out, kick an extra point every once in a while, and we're good to go. Jacob, as we are rocking and rolling over here, look, we got the betting lines going. We're going to pick our Super Bowl winners, all that. I want to talk to you about Eli Manning real quick for a minute, but before that, let's just go with who you got. We're going to run this one down. We haven't mentioned Emmanuel Sanders' name too much. Uh, Sammy Watkins here and there a little bit throughout the show. But who do you think is going to get more receiving yards between those two guys? Oof. That's a real tough one, that is. Yeah, that's one of those 1A2 kind of set conversations. Yeah. Which one's going to get it? I'm going to... I'm going to take Sanders here. It's okay. real tight. It really is. But I'm going to take Sanders just because I see him getting more volume. I see him getting more catches. And... Don't get me wrong. I think Watkins catches generally are probably for a higher, you know, he's more of a downfield threat. Not that Sanders isn't, but I could see us leaning on Sanders underneath a little bit more. And I think when we spoke so much about our yards after the catch, I think that could be a huge factor. Well, I hope so, because he really hasn't been around for a while, Emmanuel Sanders. As we know, he's even become more of a decoy, if you want to call that. So I really hope that he's healthy. We know that he's been you know, certainly banged up a little bit, but who hasn't? So we need him healthy. But I am going to disagree, because I think that Sammy Watkins is going to get open more, unfortunately, based on all the attention we're going to give to Tyree Kill and Kelsey and Damian Williams. I think that Sammy Watkins is actually in for a pretty big day here. So I'm a little scared of that. So I hope we don't sleep on him, but I think he's going to have a pretty nice day. How about um, more sacks? We haven't really done uh, much of that too much, but uh, our big sack guys on both sides of the wall right now, we have Nick Bosa and Chris Jones, who has not been healthy all year, but when he is, is an absolute freak. Who do you think gets more sacks? 
I've got to go Nick Bosa on this one. Look, Chris Jones is a beast. And we've had a little bit of turnover, you know, on the interior offensive line. There's been a lot of movement, but I think they've they stepped up really, really well the past two weeks. And I certainly think they're better than the Chiefs, ex, you know, exterior offensive line. And so I've got to lean on Nick Bosa here on this one. Yeah, they are better than the Chiefs' uh, defensive line. Know that about it. They'll get to the quarterback much quicker, but it's sacking Pat Mahomes is the problem. Nick Bosa, maybe he'll get to him once, maybe, but I do believe that Chris Jones will bust through the line and get him once, hopefully not twice. So I think if anything, yeah, I'd probably lean on Chris Jones' side on this one just because he is so big, so quick, and we are, we can be vulnerable, like you said, up the middle. So I'm a little worried about that. How about turnovers, which is a rarity, really, for both of these teams for the most part. Do you, who do you think turnovers? Do you think the 49ers give the ball up more or the Chiefs do? I think the 49ers probably do. I think the Niners do a really good job of taking the ball away, but we do give the ball away as well, whereas the KC really haven't done that. They're second best in the league in terms of uh, the lowest number of, of giveaways per game, whereas the Niners rank down in around the 20th mark. So I, I think the, the Chiefs just take better care of the ball. And as much as the Niners defense certainly does a good job with its turnovers, I just worry that the offense doesn't do as good a job as KC's does in terms of looking after it. Yeah, I don't have much to add over there. We know Pat Mahomes really doesn't like to throw interceptions. He'll take his chances, no doubt, but uh, we'll see how diligent he'll be with the ball. I, I also will agree with you, if anything, 49ers will have more turnovers than the Chiefs. Let's hope not. How about TD passes, all right, touchdowns right now? We're not talking about who the better quarterback is because we know. But who's going to throw more touchdown passes, Garoppolo or Mahomes? Uh, I've got to go Mahomes, man. I think – I just think that's their – it's it's more their go-to for me. And I think the Niners can can attack in much a higher variety of ways. But – I think that they, they're going to lean on Mahomes and I do see him throwing for more. It doesn't necessarily mean they'll score more, but I see him throwing for more than Jimmy does. Yep, I'm going to agree with you again. I, I do believe it's Mahomes. Again, that is their game. It's not exactly our game. Garoppolo can do it, but uh, yeah, Mahomes, I do see th- uh, throwing more touchdown passes, whether it's two or three, hopefully not more than three. And yes, as far as running the ball, look, if anybody's going to score a touchdown rushing, It'll probably be once, if that many. It could even be Mahomes himself. We'll see. How about tackles? This is an interesting one. We got a couple of tackling machines over here. Fred Warner and Tyron Matthew. Who do you think is going to get to the ta- get to the ball carrier more? Ooh, they both do a really good job, but I've got to go Fred Warner. I think as a linebacker, you put yourself in much uh, a lot more situations to be able to make tackles, and so. I got to lead, I, I got to go with Fred Warner here. I think over Matthew, as much as Matthew has done a very good job and has always been a, a tackling machine, I think Fred Warner's numbers are are going to be superior here. Uh, yeah, they really are. They really are. I'm going to have to disagree though. I'm going to go with Matthew. The reason being not because of who each player is. Uh, you know, Matthew's like a safety slash linebacker type of guy, so he will move up to the line of scrimmage uh, sometimes, or you know, at least in the box. Given that, and given that the 49ers run the ball so much, I think that he will be in on more tackles than Fred Warner, who may not be covering Travis Kelsey like we talked about, and Damian Williams may be his guy, so we'll see how quickly he can get to him. But I think Matthew will be involved 
in more of those gang tackling type of situations. So I'll lean to his side. The last one on who you got, time of possession, major key factor in any ball game. Now, the Chiefs, <laughs> I'll say it right off the bat. They're not going to win time of possession in this football game. They don't hold the ball for a long time. They don't have long drives. We've talked about it. They score the ball. They score points very, very quickly if and when they do score. If not, yeah, it could be a three and out. It may not be a long, sustained drive. The 49ers, that's what they do. They run the ball. They ball control, short passes, high percentage completions. I believe the 49ers will win the time of possession. It doesn't mean they're going to win the game, but it means time of possession. Yes, I think they will take care of that. Yeah, I agree. I think this is what the Niners do best. It's their forte. It's their go-to. They love the time of possession. And uh, the game flow can obviously always affect this. But I just, I think when the Niners do go to the pass game, they tend to go high percentage as well, which just still plays into time of possession. They're fourth in the league in time of possession. And and, I think it really shows uh, by the way they attack the game plan. So I've got to go with the Niners on this one. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm with you. I'm with you. 49ers all the way in. Let's hope that turns into a victory, man. Look, I I got all my predictions. I'm I'm dying to spit them out, but we can certainly wait to our prediction show. Uh, As of right now, uh, you tell me because you're the pro. I believe it's still KC one and a half and the over-under is 45. Uh, It's one and a half and the over-under is 53. Oh, I'm sorry. Why did I say 45? I had 55 written down. So Okay, so 53. 53 and a half. Uh, it's ranged. I've seen 54 and a half about, um, but it's in that 53 and a half to 54 and a half range. I've also seen anything between minus one and minus th- and minus two. So it's in that range, but uh, the Chiefs are definitely favorite. I can't see that really changing between now and, and Sunday really. Uh, line seems to be fairly settled. Uh, but yeah, we're in for a tight one, in for a nice close game, which is always good in a Super Bowl. Yeah, man, I, the, the Chiefs are favored for one reason and one reason only, and that's Patrick Mahomes, and I get it. Otherwise, to me, the 49ers should absolutely be favored in this game. They, We talked about this all show, and it's been highlighted on other shows that are on TV, radio, whatever it may be. That the 49ers really do hold the edge in more categories way more categories, I believe, than the Chiefs do, uh, proving that on the field and stats-wise. So, uh, I look, I, get, I definitely get why the over-under is 50, uh, 54, 53 and a half. I mean, we talked about it. They're going to score a lot of points. We know it, all right? We know it. But either way, yes, this is going to be a tight game. I don't see a blowout either way. There's no doubt. So, I believe we're going to save our predictions until uh, later on this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should be able to hit you back with another show later on in the week. Um, Currently still in the UK. We'll be arriving into Miami on Thursday. So hopefully we can get something Friday, maybe Saturday morning, a little final preview show. So, yeah, absolutely cannot wait. Just packing, ready for Miami, man. Yeah, man. It's going to be a good one. No matter what happens this game, you know, I want us to win. I think we've got a very good chance, but... No matter what happens, to be able to to be able to be in the Super Bowl and to be able to, you know, crazy that I'm going to be there. That what the one year that we're in the Super Bowl is uh, is unbelievable, and hopefully we get a chance to link up as well. And yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be crazy, and I can only imagine the party if we win. Oh my God! Don't forget it. <laughs> I won't be going to work for a week and a half at least. So it'll be beautiful. I, I really hope so, man. I'm with you. Cannot wait. It's coming up. 
Really soon, guys. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're tense. We're getting there. So yes, we are absolutely going to have another show. Um, it it may be maybe only a forty five minute an hour show, possibly, but definitely going to come back and uh, you know break down some more of the game, the X's and O's, and certainly give our predictions on our MVPs, what the score is going to be, who's going to win, all that, so on and so forth. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get into prop betting, but we'll see. Jacob, let's just end the show on one note real quick. Um, Got to go in a few minutes here, but Eli Manning. All right. Uh, It's obviously a huge topic. Congratulations, number one. He's uh, retired as a giant for 16 years. Did a very good job over there, no doubt about it. Beloved by the fans, brought them two Super Bowls against the Patriots, one being where the Pats were 18-0. Again, I don't know if I'll still ever get over that. I, I think that is just unbelievable how that happened, even though I did predict the Giants to win that game. But still, unreal. So Eli Manning retires a Giant. They're going to retire his jersey, of course. I believe that's all well and good. He gave everything. He was durable. He was there. But there's a big question mark, and it mm-hmm. seems very split. Is he a Hall yeah. of Famer or not? I have my piece on it, but I'd love to hear what you have to say first. Not for me. I don't think so. And it's, it is a tough one, but my issue with it is I believe to be a Hall of Famer, you need to be, at the very least, top five at your position for an extended period of time. I'm not sure that ever happened for me. I think... His durability is certainly, you know, that's something good. But a lot of, you know, him being like seventh on, you know, passing list or whatever, that was really a product of him just playing for so long as opposed to being great for so long. Sure. Um, I don't, I, I've never been a huge fan of taking the Super Bowl rings that much into account because it's a team achievement. It's not a player achievement. And especially, you know, one of them, I mean, the second one, I mean, we, the Niners gifted them the place in that Super Bowl, right? Yeah, we <laughs> really knew each other. If we could catch a punt, we'd, uh, oh, we'd, we'd probably be in there instead. And so the rings really don't play too much as a factor into it for me because it's a team achievement. You only have to look at Peyton Manning winning a ring in his probably worst year of his career to to look at that and go, yeah, it's probably not that much of a factor. And so for me, I don't think... You can say he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's certainly, you know, uh, he was he was a good quarterback and he and he did what he needed to do for the Giants and fair play to him. And I think it's all well and good him, you know, them retiring his number for the Giants just because of his longevity. But Hall of Famer, you know, kind of for me, reserved for the best of the best, not for me. Dude, I'm such great points. I'm still not even sure that I know the answer to this one. I have been torn. Now, let me tell you something. Up until two days ago, okay, I've always said he is absolutely not a Hall of Famer. And I don't need to look at stats. I watched basically every game this guy played, again, being from New York, all right? And he had his moments, but his moments came two years in the 16 years he played. And those were the only two playoff runs he had, basically, except for the year after when Plaxico Burst shot himself in the foot and, and all that crazy stuff. But that's another story. So... When they got to the playoffs, he did his thing. He was amazing. He And, I mean, what can you say? I mean, he took them to where they had to go and, look, again, beating the Patriots twice. Incredible. Without that, and it's hard to say without that, there's no way he's a Hall of Famer. Now, I just – I got to look at a couple of guys real quick. One guy is Jim Plunkett, who did win two Super Bowls, okay? 
He was Super Bowl MVP. He didn't win two Super Bowl MVPs, but he won one, and he won two Super Bowls. This man is not in the Hall of Fame. Now, his numbers are not like Eli's numbers, granted, but he's not in the Hall of Fame, and he won two Super Bowls as a starting quarterback. Jim Plunkett for the Raiders. I know you know who he is, but everybody else, look it up, okay? Two other names do come to mind on the opposite side, though. Joe Namath, Terry Bradshaw. Hall of Famers, Namath, numbers, really not that good. I mean, he threw for over 4,000 yards that one year, which was astronomical back in the 1800s. I get it. That's all great. And he won his one Super Bowl. Bradshaw won four, so it's kind of hard to take it away from him. But their numbers are not great, and they are in the Hall of Fame. So it's both sides of the argument. And now, brass tactics here, bro. When I watched him on the field, I said, there's no way this guy's a Hall of Famer. And like you said, he was never a top five quarterback for me. He was always somewhere maybe near the top 10 at his best. And those were only in a couple of seasons. So it, it no on the field, no. But if somebody's going to make the argument, and they did make the argument to me, and it's the only one that I can see, does it count to say that you can't tell the history of the NFL without Eli Manning. What about that question? What do you think about that? And does that factor into it? You you certainly can't tell the story of the NFL without Eli Manning, but I just don't know that, that it factors into it. There's a lot of players you can't tell the story of the NFL without, but it doesn't make them Hall of Famers. And for me, it's about individual achievements. It's about were you the best, you know, in, at any point did you lead the NFL in, in anything and I think the only thing he's ever led the NFL in is interceptions right. so <laughs> you know he's never made all pro you know nope. he's got to a couple of pro bowls but you know and we know that's on the back end also because of uh you know other quarterbacks going to the Super Bowl and whatnot so. oh yeah the pro the pro bowl's a joke uh, there's one year where they had they invited at all but one quarterbacks in the <laughs> AFC turned it down so Voted to the Pro Bowl means nothing to me. Look, Xavier Rhodes made the Pro Bowl this year. This was his worst oh season he's ever had. Right. That, that, that's a fan vote right there. That's yeah. He's, he's been benched so many times this right. year. Right. And he's at the Pro Bowl. So Pro Bowl for me doesn't take into account. For me, it's about individual accolades. And and for me, unfortunately, bar the Super Bowl MVPs, I just don't think Eli has has enough and it's funny because the one guy I remember thinking about when I was saying you know was he ever a top guy at his position for a long time was Frank Gore who is someone I think is a hall of famer and I was wondering I was supposed was he ever like the you know I don't think he was ever the best running back in the NFL I don't That's think he was very good maybe even top three but I think he was like consistently just really really good absolutely and it may be like that kind of, it's maybe like that's the other kind of flip side of the argument where you go, well, he was never the best in, in the NFL. Uh, but, but I would argue he probably is one, but Eli, yeah, I don't know. Not, it's not for me. I, I tend to agree with you on this one. I really do. It's just so hard for me to overlook the two Super Bowls. But again, even in those games and him being named MVP, not to one, but to two, to me is ridiculous. The defense, somebody, please yeah. give it to somebody on the defense because that's how they won the game. Great yeah. job leading that drive of Plaxico Burris. Unbelievable throw to Mario Manningham. I even interviewed Manningham on my show a few years ago uh, about that because when he played for the 49ers, I'm like, ah, you know, you know, I had a little back and forth and then we mm-hmm. had a good time. 
But yeah, he had his moments, moments, not not a great career by any means. Again, you're a 500 quarterback. I, I don't yeah. know what to tell you. Yeah. You know, so again, from the eye test, bro, no. But do I I believe he's going to get in. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. First ballot, whatever, I don't care. But he'll be a Hall of Famer, and he probably deserves to get in for what he has done. But he, in, by no way, in no means, I totally agree with you. He was never near the best quarterback even at the height of his game, even in his Super Bowl seasons, while he had his great moments and going into Lambeau and doing what he did, he was not a Hall of Fame player, not a Hall of Fame quarterback, but I give him his due for always being there, his durability, durability availability. His, the team loved him. He kept his cool. He did it his way, like he said. And uh, look, I, I'm proud of him. I learned to love the guy, but he's not one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen at all. No. Yeah, I agree. I like the guy. I, d- I certainly like the guy, but yeah, Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's it's, it's not for me. But tough one, tough one. But, so. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's only one 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 thing that matters this week. That's, That's the Super Bowl. That's the Super Bowl. But we'll be coming back at you hopefully later on this week. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Forty Niners Brawl. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, anywhere you listen to them. Make sure you, you you subscribe if you like it. You can also follow us on Facebook, 49ers Brawl Podcast. Uh, I am JBB Football on Twitter if you want to follow me or if you want to follow Jason. It's at Sports Profit One. That's the number one. And the next time we speak to you, we will be days, just days away from kicking off in Miami. Cannot wait. You ain't kidding. We're going to be even maybe closer. We're going to be almost hours away from that thing by the time we get this thing going. Oh, I got it. I can't wait. So one more show we're going to put in before the Super Bowl. We shall give our predictions. Just because we're Niner fans doesn't mean we're going Niners. You're going to have to wait and see. But can't wait, man. Super Bowl 54 coming up. It's going to be a classic. Chiefs, 50 years have not been there. 49ers haven't won one in 25 years. Looking to tie the Cowboys and Steelers for the most rings all time with six. JBB, I can't wait, bro. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait for tomorrow, guys. I'm going to be live over there at Super Bowl opening night. Jacob is going to be at the game. We'll have plenty of pictures and videos for you. It's going to be a lot of fun, and hopefully we'll end it with just golden red flowing from the ceiling, baby. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good one. Cannot wait. Let's go Niners. Let's go, baby. Jacob, I'll be talking to you soon, my friend. Safe travels, my brother. Safe Thank travels. You. Get here safely. All right. Call me as soon as you land. I'll come get you. We'll go get some food. We'll do a podcast, baby. It's going to be beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Let's do it, man. All right. Till then, this is the 49ers Brawl podcast by the Brawl Network. Check us out at 49ers Brawl on Twitter. Guys, thanks a lot. Jacob, as a pleasure. Always. Always a pleasure, man. All right. Talk to you guys later. Go Niners. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that under deliver on flavor? 
head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time, you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery.